Today's program, uh, what we try to do to tie all this together, earlier in the year we've had programs on change management, on uh, business location strategies and site selections, uh, sustainability, innovation. Well, today's program on Prairie Stone, Prairie Stone's Throwaway, is kind of is a case study that will start to wrap our arms around all those different topics and bring it, tie it all into one case study, one presentation about a, a business park about, what, 60 miles away or so. <laughs> all right, 20 miles away, half hour drive. A stone's throw away, that's correct. So today's speakers, let me uh, read through some bios here. We have uh, Gary Skoog, he's Director of Economic Development with the Village of Hoffman Estates. Jack McKinney, President and Founder of JF McKinney and Associates. Charlie Portis, Vice President of JF McKinney and Associates. And Bill Canopiotis, President and Founder of Canopco Realty and Development. Gary Skoog is the Director of Economic Development for the Village of Hoffman Estates. He has been in the position for over seven years. Prior to that, he was Director of Economic Development uh, for, the Elmhurst, for Elmhurst Economic Development Council, a public-private partnership. He is a graduate in the Economic Development Institute and on the board of International Economic Development Council. Jack McKinney is president and founder of JF McKinney & Associates. Jack's innovative and comprehensive marketing strategies have resulted in JF McKinney's outstanding list of successful repositionings, including Prudential Plaza, One North Franklin, and Chicago Title and Trust Center. Over the last 17 years, Jack has overseen the leasing of nearly 16 million square feet of vacant space and has secured such notable anchor tenants as Baker McKenzie, Goldman Sachs, Mayor Brown, and People's Energy, to name a few. Under his tenure, J.F. McKinney and his team have thrice earned the coveted Leasing Agent of the Year Award. Charlie Portis, Vice President of J.F. McKinney & Associates, brings over 17 years of office and leasing and marketing experience. Currently, he oversees the leasing and marketing of Prairie Stone. Charlie's past experience includes work with Sears Tower, where he was part of the leasing team that won Broker of the Year honors. His vast experience also includes diverse projects such as 444 North Michigan, 205-225 North Michigan, 737 North Michigan, 360 North Michigan Avenues, and Crossroads Center in Rolling Meadows. And finally, the man with the mustache, Bill Canopiotis. He is the founder and president of Canopco Realty and Development. Bill's experience in real estate development and construction since 1981 encompasses over 11.5 million square feet in both private and public sectors. Bill has been involved with over 4.5 million square feet of interior project management and over 7 million square feet of build-to-suit and base building projects. Before forming Canopco, Bill held senior positions at a number of the nation's leading real estate development and construction firms, including the John Buck Company, Cabot Cabot Forbes, Rubloff, and Turner Construction. How about a nice applause and welcome our panelists and speakers. Thank you. Are we live? Are we good? All right, where's that cornet lady who gave me this thing? Chris. 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 Okay. Hold, hold on a second. Son of a gun, this damn Blackberry. Ah! 
good friend of mine, Lou Pinella. Hold on one second. <laughs> yeah, Lou. You are. Okay, hold on. I'll let him know. Thanks. Lou Pinella, good friend of mine, asked me to tell my other good friend here, Mr. McKinney, guaranteed Cubs victory today. He's guaranteeing it. Just, just like yesterday. Oh, got it. Okay. You'll be praying for the spring Thanks. swing. Come soon, my friend. Yes, sir. Okay, good. Um, Bill Canopiotis. Uh, how, I want the uh, presentation to flow. So if you have questions of any of us, just pipe in. A lot of information. We got a great case study of, as Danny said, relocation, site selection, workplace strategies, change management, all the things that Cornet is trying to get their arms around. It's happened out here at Prairie Stone with lots of our, our current owners. We've got 35 of them. Now, how many of you have ever been out to Prairie Stone? Raise of hand. Why? How many of you have never been out to Prairie Stone? Ooh, you guys don't want any business. <laughs> okay, well, it is about 20 miles northwest, and it is the largest contiguous mixed-use entertainment destination development in all of Chicago. And uh, it's a great case study of Sears, and we've got our team here which uh, makes up the four of us. And the four of us have collaborated since 2001 together. I've been out there since 96. Gary's been out there for a while. And the Village and Sears together have created a partnership private that is going on about 18 years. Uh, but first, I keep getting this wrong. I want to give you a little, oh, here's a quick presentation. I'm going to tell you a little about Sears because it's a great Chicago-based story that a lot of us don't know the history behind it. Then I'm going to tell you a little bit about why they selected the site and the original vision of the development, the current vision. Charlie's going to get into some of the marketing things and challenges, and Gary's going to talk about some of the city and state incentives that Sears received by staying here in, Chicago, in the Chicagoland area. A little history lesson today. 1886, Sears was formed by... Mr. Sears, who went around selling watches to his fellow train engineer guys. And then he got the idea, let's sell watches, mail catalog. So that's how Sears got started, and the whole mail catalog uh, concept. In 1895, they had a catalog of this thick, 532 pages, 750,000 in revenue. In 06, 1906, they built their first building, Sears Merchandise Building Tower and Catalog Plant in Holman. Is that year the Cubs went to the World Series, Bill? Is that the year you were talking about? How many Sox fans are in the crowd? <laughs> Definitely no business. Hey, Borg, you want to... Oh, okay, that's okay. We won't hold it against you. Don't hold it against him, <clears throat> only once in a while. Anyway, yeah, that's the last year we won it, I think. <laughs> It was 08. That's a different slide, Jack. It was 08. Thanks, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> See what he does to me all the time? Well, or else it was your year born. I'm not sure which one yeah. of those two it was. <laughs> yeah, I died. I still die. <laughs> 1925 is when they opened their first store, and they built it in the base of the merchandising tower. And then 20, in, in 74, as we all know, they opened up Sears Tower uh, downtown here in the Loop. 
that a lot of us, who has worked on Sears Tower? Raise your hand in their past, ex, yeah, a lot of us have touched this building, greatest building in Chicago, I still believe. Um, I, uh, two things that I didn't like is when this name was changed and when your park was changed, two sacred things that I still have a problem with. But anyway, Willis Tower, I'm not gonna ever get used to that one. Anywho, Sears ended up out of Prairie Stone in 1992 is when they opened up their doors. So that gives you a kind of a quick history of Sears, great Chicago-based company. They're still in business. They're still doing great. They will continue to do great. Uh, been a great client of ours. A little history of how they selected the site to talk about the whole site selection process and why and what they went through. Uh, they went on a national search. They shortlisted down to three states or cities, Dallas, Charlotte, and Chicago. Charlotte made a real strong run after them. Governor, the then Governor Thompson really wanted them to stay because of the long history here in, in, in Chicago. And so the DCCA, which is the Illinois Department of Commerce, blah, blah, for the state, shortlisted 18 sites, of which put Hoffman last. Then presentations happened between uh, the Hoffman executives and the Sears, and Sears ended up liking the Hoffman site the best because of location, access, visibility, and the amount of land that they could take down. So it went from last place to first place. And uh, Mayor O'Malley, who is uh, no longer with us, was really the catalyst of forming that relationship with Sears and making it happen to bring them out to Hoffman uh, uh, Estates. And then the private partnership began. And it truly is a good example of how you have to work in private partnership with the city of Hoffman and Gary up here and, and the developers. Uh, who, that's me and Jack's role for Sears over the long term. Otherwise, it'll, it'll never work. Uh, the land was then purchased in 1989. It was an original farm. And Popular Creek, a lot of you have been to Popular Creek many times. Um, that was the site of Popular Creek. In 1990, construction started for the 1.9 million headquarters building. And in August of 92, when I was downtown at Sears Tower, vacating those floors, we moved them from Tower out to Prairie Stone, and they started occupying the space uh, from August to November. 4,000 employees initially. That's the, the history behind how and why they picked it. Any questions on that part of it? Okay. Uh, I want to talk about the original vision, because this ties to a lot of lessons learned, a lot of change management, a lot of uh, development projects that um, were set up to be, you know, within this box usually don't end up being that way. They usually, the market drives development, so site plans, developments need to be real flexible. So we learned a big lesson, and Charlie's going to talk about the aha moment. Did I say that right? Aha. At one point, a few years back, where we took a course correction and uh, took it from what was originally an 800-acre park the original plan was up to 10 to 12 million square feet of office development. Yeah. Mid-rise. Mid-rise, with parking decks all 20 over. 20 stories tall. Um, and I'm going to show you a map of what that looks like. But you're talking about 10 million square feet of mid-rise office in a 10-year performa. Um, and Sears was going to build on 200 of the 800, leaving 400 for uh, this future 7 to 9 million of office product and another 100 or 200 for detention, wetlands, open lands, roads. Um, and it was going to be a center for corporate America with some amenities, some amenities. And it was named Prairie Stone Business Park. It's 
So here's where Sears tie into some of the innovation sustainable classes, courses, topics. Sears to me was way ahead of their time out here again. Like they were at Sears Tower, they built the tower and put sprinklers in before the code required you to do sprinklers. So they were always in here. They designed the park to be all native landscaping and came up with the branding message of man, nature, technology. This all happened before I even knew the acronym LEED. I mean, I, I, didn't even, I don't even know if LEED was established back then. I was trying to Google that yesterday and I couldn't find it when LEED, who knows when LEED was formed? 1993. 93? Pete Wetzel, ECI, all right. You get the prize, it's outside waiting for you. 93, that's, an, that's a good one. The socks um, hat. <laughs> yeah, you can have the socks hat that I'm going to step on as I leave today. Rushing to the oh, RJ is going to be leaving us soon to go to the, see the Cubs bring home his victory today. He's going to probably leave a little early. I just want to note that here. Um, so that's the original vision. Now we're going to get into where it is today and how it's a, we've adjusted it. Um, and it's not happened just overnight. It's happened by a lot of hard work by a great team here, uh, city, private, Sears uh, relationship. The original plan, here it is. There's the 10, 12 million feet of, of mid-rise and parking decks. You know, back, this was envisioned, think about this now, 20 years ago almost. And that was building a million feet a year on this site. Office, Andrew Kelly, a million feet a, a year out in Prairie Stone was the original performa. Huh. So there it is. Never happened. Um, so one of the things to attract Sears out to um, stay in Chicago was some of the state and village incentive packages, which Gary's going to kind of walk you through briefly. It's a very complex structure. It's a TIF. There's EDA. There's bond money. There's, there's a lot of stuff. So we're going to try and keep it real simple for you um, on what the state did to retain Sears and what the local officials at Hoffman did to retain Sears. Okay, I, I'm... Uh... On. I'm going to stand in for Mark Coplin, who was uh, part of this whole process from the get-go. He's, he's coming out on his 20th anniversary at Hoffman Estates, so I hope I do him justice because he's, uh, he's known around Hoffman Estates as Mr. Sears because a lot of people thought he worked out there uh, at Sears because he was, he was there so often. And for those of you who have been out there uh, and those of you who haven't, if you can imagine 800 acres of soybean field and cornfield, and then all of a sudden, when this deal happened, there were about eight trailers that right in the middle of this big cornfield and this soybean field, and it was called White Collar Villa. And uh, half of the, the trailers were for Sears, and half of them were for uh, the construction company. So when this all happened, uh, You've, how many have gotten from economic development, you'll get an email on criteria for a site. I know there's some economic development people here. You've seen those. This, this is what, thank you. This is what happened uh, years ago. And the criteria was we need 400 acres. Um, you can, we got to commit to 2,000 jobs and a $100 million investment. And as Bill said, uh, there were several alternatives but it really boiled down to what Sears wanted, and, and that's uh, how uh, Hopman Estates ended up with that fabulous development. And if you haven't been out there, you've got to go. It's a world-class office park. Nick um, Jones Park. 
2.3 million dollars in infrastructure grant came in and that was uh, uh, out in the middle of a cornfield there was no uh, sewer line and uh, they had to connect uh, about an 84 inch line and went four or five miles uh, to connect to that at Schomburg Road and, and I-59. Those are the kind of mm. things that, that were involved in this. It was designated an enterprise zone which helped uh, because all the uh, sales tax that went into equipment to build it was forgiven. So seven, eight percent um, for a multi-million dollar square foot development comes out to a lot of money. Road 72, 59 were expanded, turn lanes, through lanes, all that had to be done out there to accommodate all the people going by. Hoffman Estates part was uh, to adopt the EDA. I mean, you might say, why would you even think about that? But it's a huge impact to a community when you've got all that responsibility for police, fire, putting in the money, that kind of thing. So a fire station was part of the deal, cost us uh, about a million and a half. And uh, there's a water tower. It's like a, you know, a whole new city out there. That was about a million eight. And that was uh, basically came out of an enterprise fund where when you pay your water bill, a, a small amount goes in and accumulates for these kind of projects. So the next slide. Um, the EDA was, is like a TIF, and uh, incremental revenues from the property tax were to go for 20 years, and they'll be done in 2012, uh, so that the government gets a share, the government entities that are out there, and the developer gets a share. And to make that happen, Sears floated senior bonds to pay off the acquisition of the property, 786 acres. Uh, and that's, uh, they go to pay off that in the Sears facility only, and those will be done in January of 2010. Junior bonds were issued as well for $65 million, and they were to go for uh, increment on the 580 acres remaining, and uh, the village would not take the risk if the increment did not come into fruition, uh, which actually was a good move on our part because uh, Sears ended up writing a few checks for that because it didn't take off like it was supposed to, as Billy indicated. Uh, it's doing fine now, but it didn't take off uh, the way they anticipated. EDA notes will be, uh, which are basically promissory notes, will be paid off with uh, revenues not needed for the bonds and, and uh, that's uh, a nice backup to have. Next slide, please. Um, the one, the almost two million square feet um, is in the Sears merchandise headquarters. Uh, we ended up, as I said, with a full service uh, gas station. This is uh, what we contributed to the village. NIU has a satellite campus out there still going strong. Uh, we had to put in miles of uh, new sewer and water line, miles of new roads very long sanitary sewer, $40 million of infrastructure by Sears and Hoffman Estates, and a lot of that is paid through the TIF or the EDA. And then, as I mentioned before, $35 million in highway improvement, which uh, you can't have that many people and that many buildings without increasing the highway. Now, this is a public-private partnership. The public was state government, 
municipal government. The private part was Sears. And as you know, back then, Sears had uh, many subsidiaries, Caldwell Banker, Homart, which is a real estate development company, uh, Allstate. So they, that was the private part of it, because all those were involved. But really, when it comes down to it, John Powers was the vice president of Sears, and then Mayor Ma uh, O'Malley really bonded, and uh, they worked out a deal, and that's what it usually comes down to, people. Next. I'm back on. Uh, to that tip, to simplify it, every, uh, if, if Sears on the financial side of this thing, if, if we did a million feet a year for the first 10 years, everybody would be happy. We did 13% of that a year for the first 10 years. So 130,000 feet in the first 10 years versus a million feet was the, what actually happened. So that meant, and what happens is every property tax generated by every building built, Sears gets 75 cents roughly to pay off the bonds. So if, they're not, if no buildings are built, no taxes are generated, that's where the deficit that Gary mentioned, so Sears has had to write, not anymore to the same extent, big, big checks to keep this thing going because development pace wasn't keeping up with the original performa. Um, so that's trying to simplify the tip. It's pretty complex. And all that money, the bonds were used to put in all the roads, the bridges, the detention that's there as a great platform for us to do some great design work. So we're going to show you, about, show you some of that design work. Uh, the park is 786 acres gross. 469 have been sold as of now. And that, there's been 4.7 million feet of buildings built out there. And that we have uh, about 155 acres of, of wetlands and roads and detention. And we, so we've got 162 acres left. So all of you with big headquarter prospects, we're, uh, we'll be out in the hallway uh, <laughs> looking for those uh, signing you up. So we've got a lot more development to do out there. Um, so the window was a 20-year. This thing will go beyond 20 years. Another lesson learned for the developer of this park. So we've got 34 owners to date out there. We have a property owners association that runs the park, takes care of the tenants. We have a trans, uh, traffic management association in place that gets people to the site. That was one of the initiatives that Sears needed to do to keep their people that were working downtown working for them. And currently, we still have 900 people using public transportation to come out to Prairie Stone. Out of the maybe 6,000 people, Charlie, that are working there today? I think, yeah. Um, so it's still a very viable traffic mitigation program that we have in place. We have a metro station that's planned. We worked hard with uh, the metro folks in the village to bring metro to Prairie Stone and put a future site in the park, which will connect. It'll go from O'Hare or yeah, O'Hare all the way to us. So we're going to be at the end of the line at some point in the future. Plus the E, J, and E railroad line is going to get converted to passenger. So you can work at Prairie Stone and go down to Naperville or downtown. So eventually over the next 10 years, 20 years, all this will come together. So we're right at the hub. Um, the park, and Charlie's going to get into this a little bit, how it, this aha moment happened, but um, it went from this office development to a mixed-use entertainment venue. And there's a reason why that happened. Um, and we, at the end of the day, five, six million feet will be built, not the 10, the 12. So it's 50% roughly of what was originally planned will probably be built out there. There it is in 05. Gives you kind of a quick aerial of the 
of the, uh, of the uh, where's my laser deal here? How's this thing here? It's bounded by uh, 90, a mile and a half of frontage road. So we got great tollway visibility right there. Here's our main interchange. We got two interchange uh, in the business park. Um, Sears is up in the top northwest corner, and they since built the 1.9, they're up to 2.3 million feet right now there, and they're they have been subleasing some of their space. Um, the park's been built out a little bit further, but. You know, you can see the open land areas, the wetlands, the roads. You can see all the improvements that were put in place by the, the bond money um, to make this development happen. Since then, we've got retail built over here, the Arboretum, 600,000 feet, restaurants, retail, housing has come. So now it's, you know, we're, we're ground zero today. We're, five, 10 years ago, we were on the edge of the country. Uh, that's a real horrible, horrible slide, I admit. It's real blurry, but that shows you some of the different uses in the park and where it currently is. Uh, we just have a couple big sites left here, a site here left, a uh, little site there under contract, and a, a piece over here. Uh, so it's, we only have like 160 acres left, but you can still do a lot on that. But that's a current picture of what's there. and. Um, one of the things that Sears did, again, innovative, is they designed it for sustainability. So all the common roadways, all the common detention have been designed to do a lot of the things that we're all now doing 15 years after Sears created this. And so JJNR was the master architect, some of you folks may know them out of Michigan, who Holmart and Sears hired to come up with the original concept. Um, and it's, what it is is, uh, it improves, here's all the bullet points that you got. I don't need to talk to you guys about this. You guys have all been LEED certified by now. But it improves air quality, the erosion control, all the good things, promotes wildlife. We have a few brokers out there, so we got a lot of wildlife out there that we got to tame <laughs> over the Sox guy's head. Um, you know, it, it saves on the initial cost to build this stuff because we're not building your typical detention ponds. You see at Motorola's headquarters where it's manicured and groomed and detention with all the culverts and you're putting all that construction underground. Everything's overland. Everything is natural. Uh, you don't have to irrigate. You don't have to mow as much as you do with less footprint carbon. And at the end of the day, it saves 30% on the maintenance cost. So it's a great thing. You guys all have embraced it. Um, so it's a great park to put some new lead buildings. So we've got a few lead buildings that some of you may have worked in on that have finally uh, become lead certified in the park. Uh, here's a couple of pictures just to show you some of the, the, the native settings. It's, it's, it's pretty neat out there. Uh, here is we, every March we do a controlled burn. We burn all the prairie, all the setbacks uh, in a very controlled way. And it just, it gives a lot of great nutrients in the ground and oxygen and all the wildlife prosper and all the great stuff kind of get promoted and keep growing thick, thick, thick. So it's a, it's a, it's a neat time of the year. Uh, here's a couple examples of how we plop buildings in this stuff and how beautiful it really can look. Activity to date. Here's a quick timeline of the whole development. Sierra's 89. I talked to you about that. Northern Illinois, I think we have a representative here, one of our tenants in the park. We have two, actually, Leopardo and NIU, yay. Uh, they were one of the first ones to, to come in in 92. Uh, the pay station was built in 93. Bosch and G. Vanden, they changed their name, came in 94. I showed up with Buck in 96, about there. We, uh, 98, we, did, we built the building for GE. 
Felicia came in 99. In 2000, the, we needed amenities. We didn't have any amenities. So we needed to go get a hotel, fitness center, food. We tried really hard for years to bring amenities. Finally got the park district to commit to build a fitness center on the site. We gave them the land for free to get them to come. Uh, again, public partnership with the park district. Renishon, we got a child care deal done. Um, and then uh, 01, our other tenant here, Mr. Leopardo, had the vision to move his headquarters out there. And he's been out there since 01. And in 02 is when the McKinney team joined us. And that's where we started to get a lot of traction. Uh, Marriott, Honda, Mary Kay, ICAR, Sears Center. And remember Sears Center. Charlie's going to talk about that. And that's kind of the aha moment year, 05-ish, 06. We chased the Chicago fire. I'm going to let him give you the story about that. So I think, we, I think the key, well, we, were, uh, we came in uh, to pitch this business, I think, in the, uh, August of 2001. And, uh, and we were the third team, I think, in the, in the, in the last three years was, was trying to pitch to help Sears change the course of what it was. Because the, the intent, as you know, as Bill indicated earlier, was to build 10 20-story office buildings along the expressway with parking decks. Make it look like you'd expect to see like a Newport Beach or some other place where they have a different kind of density. And this area, I remember 15 years ago, this was uh, uh, your last stop before you hit Iowa. I mean, it really was that kind of far, seemed that far out geographically. And since time, I think the world has warped quite a bit in terms of its circumference and it's gotten a lot closer. But I think the vision here was that is when 9-11 when happened and uh, that tragedy that was there, Nothing, as you know, the world kind of stopped still for a while. And we were scrambling, what are we going to do? We can't get people to do anything anywhere. Uh, kind of like today, you know, corporate America is kind of paralyzed on, uh, on that. So with the help of, of people from Sears and obviously also from the Village of Hoffman States, we had to really rethink that whole master plan. Was it really going to make sense? Were we going to really be able to convince corporate America to, to put in the investment to bring in, you know, 15 million feet of office development to a location that just wasn't developed there yet. And at the same time, you know, the, the, uh, the, the, the TIF EDA is eating a hole in Sears' pocket to a, a large tune every year. So there was a whole change in focus. Maybe it was because, as they say, is that you know, uh, uh, the necessity is a mother invention or some other cliche like that, or at desperate times take, take desperate measures. But the intent then was to change the whole focus. What would really sell? One thing that was going on out there uh, unbeknownst to all us commercial people, was there was a ton of housing going on. The village of Hoffman State was very successful, creating a lot more housing, bringing a changing the demographics that area dramatically in terms of people as they move further west. So the intent was then to lay the groundwork to be, bring these things in, like the Marriott Hotel, which we, was a kind of a gift idea in a sense like that. But a, after that, when one thing built another, is it's like playing football in Central Division. You know, it's three yards on a cloud of dust. So we just kept getting one piece, one piece at a time. And from, I would say, early 2002 until today is when we sold 90% of that acreage is going to come on. All because people would then would take to reconstruct their vision, to, re, you had to you know, reconstitute yourself. What is really going to sell? What's going to really make to meet the needs of the community, which wasn't really the office building marketplace at the time. It is today. But was, then it was, how do you service homeowners? All of it came in with the shopping centers next door came with hotels, came with restaurants, et cetera. The Sears Center followed along with that. Those are things that made the change in us. And it was grasping on that if your, if your program isn't working, you have to figure something out, what will work. It was right beneath our eyes, and we really didn't see it, but 
we happen to be lucky to be part of the agents of change in that to come in with Bill's help and the city's help to get that done. So. Uh, yeah, Sarah Center, then we, 07, we knocked down three more deals, and 08, we knocked down one, two, three, four, five more deals. So 05, 06, 07 were big years. The economy was rolling, sold land at high prices. Uh, 08, as we all know, it came crashing down a little bit. Uh, we have, so a couple shots of some of the buildings out there, Sears headquarters, Sears Center, um, Cabela's, the first Cabela's in Illinois. Um, Mr. RJ is now going to exit. <laughs> I cannot believe he's doing this in front of Mr. McKinney and myself, RJ. Bring home that victory. And Mr. Leopardo's headquarters is out there, Mary Kay. Uh, Prairie Stone Corporate Center, the first Beck office development in the northwest suburbs in seven, month, in seven years. Two crazy guys, an Irish guy and a Greek guy. Uh, Prairie Stone Crossing, Sports Authority, there's retail, there's the fitness center. Uh, CERTA, great build-a-suit, uh, certified it to some level. Epstein uh, Studley was involved in this. Uh, Marriott, the hotel. Amcall, Gensler, Leopardo, what's it certified? It's got to be good. Silver certified. These are some of the newer ones. Amcall is the newest one to open. Um, fabulous design. I think it's over 650 a foot. It's R&D center. It's really a beautiful facility. Yeah, it traded again. Yeah. To a institutional buyer probably, and they're a tenant now for whoever bought the facility. Uh, Prairie Stone Commons. That's where my offices are at. Uh, was built. It was one of the first buildings that Sears put up as a as a developer to get some development going in '94. Uh, Northern Illinois, yay. Uh, Renishaw, great looking building. Uh, this was a build to suit for Liberty Mutual, and Liberty Mutual is doing a bunch of these in, cer in certain suburbs. Uh, that anchored this development here behind the Marriott. ICAR was a build to suit, 25,000. Here's a medical office building, so you can start to see the different type of uses that are coming. One, Jim of, the original, uh, one of the original deals was uh, with GE Transamerica, and then GE bought Transamerica. Uh, Honda office industrial type facility, engineering building, office industrial. Uh, this is the newest one here that um, it's for the uh, JCL. It's a, they're in the pharmaceutical business from Osaka. It'll be their North American headquarters. It will get built. One of the few things that you'll see getting built out in the burbs because it's an anchored, a tenant anchored building, their own facility. So we're working on that one right now. And we've sold land to uh, Jam Productions to do the newest and best the Ravinia Festival, but 9,000 seats in a band shell. Uh, not sure when and if it'll happen, but uh, they own the 10 acres next to Sears Center. So compliment Sears Center. And next to this, I don't have a photo. We've sold 35 acres for an indoor water park hotel development. And again, don't know when and if that'll ever get going. But as what Jack said, as we got Sears Center deal done, Cabela's would only commit to us if Sears Centers came. and. Uh, you know, the water park guy would only commit if Cabela's came, and this guy would only commit if the hotel guy, so it was a, it was a chain reaction. Um, and then we've got a bunch of restaurants now looking at uh, the park, sprinkled inside of the park. So that's kind of what we've done to date. Charlie's going to get into the market and uh, answer any of your questions there. Yeah, we, um, as Bill and Jack and Gary said, there's been a real re-envisioning going on out there. Um, the numbers today, the Northwest market for office space is highly vacant. Um, you can define it a couple different ways, but the big market of Schaumburg, 
area uh, is about 20% vacant. And it's, it's up quite a bit in the last you know, six months, a huge increase. In and around Prairie Stone, our vacancy is up, but it's at a much better number. We're up to about 9% vacant. So the world seems, there, there is some traction, I think, to the idea of being out there. And I think, you know, what, what I sometimes say to people is Prairie Stone was ahead of its time, and that's a double-edged sword. Um, it was ahead of its time in a bad way, in that in 2001, people said, well, why would I go out to Iowa, and you don't have any amenities? And those were true statements. In fact, the first, within the first month of our starting, we had uh, some real great events. We had 9-11, and then Forbes magazine came out with an article called Prairie Dog. And I remember <laughs> I was driving in the car when the client from Sears called me and said, you need to go look online and see this article, Prairie Dog. And they criticized, they loved to criticize Sears, and they criticized Prairie Stone for being you know, out in the middle of nowhere, nothing around there, no gas stations, uh, no nothing. And then after 9-11, as Jack said, there was a real malaise and a real freezing of development. So. It's been a very cyclical, non-linear process, certainly since we've been out there. Um, but what happened is, after 9-11, we really focused on leasing up buildings for Sears. Nobody was buying land. Then it started to thaw. Really took till 03 before we could start selling land. Our first land sale was to ICAR, and it was below three bucks a foot. So we were almost giving the land away in order to generate taxes. Because as Bill said, the taxes that people pay, the real estate taxes, property taxes, flow through to Sears' bottom line. And then one day in 03, Mark Coplin, uh, Gary's cohort, handed me a disc, and he said, hey, look at this. And it was, a, it was a disc that had been sent to all these communities by the Chicago Fire. They were represented by Mesero Stein and Newcastle. Hey, we're looking to, looking to build a Chicago Fire soccer stadium. So Village and Sears got together and said, hey, let's throw our hat in the ring. We got a lot of land, something new, something different. Well, we ended up making it to the finals. We all went out to Long Beach for the soccer game at the, in Carson, California. And the fire decided on the site in Bridgeview, where it's, which is now Toyota Park. But it kind of opened up the eyes of both Sears and the village to say, well, wait a minute. If the, you know, soccer stadium we didn't get, but maybe there's something else. And at the time, Ryan companies were out looking to build uh, a new 9, 10,000-seat facility similar to one that they owned in the Quad Cities. And so that has evolved into the Sears Center, which has really um, you know, added a nice spark. And as, as Bill was saying, these things have all built on one so as we started to get Sears Center, we got traction on other transactions. And land prices started going up from 3 to 4 bucks, from 4 to 5. And then as we got into 06, 07, late 05, we really started doing better on land prices. Our, our high watermark was $18 a foot for land that was sold for retail, which was a pretty good number. Um, and office land was going for more like $9 a foot, which seemed pretty good at the time. Today, it seems really good. And of course, again, non-cyclical, but I think the, the park was ahead of its time in a positive way, too, which is starting to pay benefits now, which is things like sustainable landscaping, which not only does it save you money, it really does create a nicer environment. And putting in the health club, I mean, it, it is probably the nicest health club in the suburbs, and it's run by the park district. So these are the kind of things, as we see tenants today, especially in our new spec development, it's all about efficiency and productivity. I mean, there are very few deals out there, but it seems like the ones that are out there it's how do you make the space more efficient, both in terms of cutting the footage down and how are people going to eat quickly, work out quickly, that kind of thing. Um, so um, non-cyclical, we had some you know, slow times. It built up. We can go to the next slide, I guess. Um, you know, going forward, um, you know, what we're seeing, we're obviously in a downtrend right now for selling land. We have not closed any land sales this year. And you know, it, it, a year ago, we thought people were going to come out and build apartments out there. 
I still think there's a good chance we will get apartments. It's just right now, the economics just aren't working for anybody to build anything new. But what seems to be coming down the pike, hopefully as things start to pick up, we are working on some large transactions right now at Sears headquarters. Um, Sears has got some excess space, and there's some deals out there that are looking for large blocks of space, and there's no time to build space, plus the economics wouldn't really favor it, just because it's obviously cheaper to deal with new construction. So we're hoping we may see some large new deals, perhaps at Prairie Stone this year, then the next building cycle, which we hope will start up again next year, some more retail filling in, some more office pads filling in. Bill mentioned the metro, which is called the Star Line. We're slated to be the hub of this, um, with Chicago potentially getting the Olympics, uh, having some good clout in Washington. You know, this, this line has been envisioned for about 20 years. It's the next generation of public transportation. It would make Prairie Stone basically the union station of the suburbs. And just as, you know, Chicago, land prices in Chicago went for their first big spike in the late 1830s, and that was when the Illinois and Michigan Canal was not built, but people knew it was coming. And I think when, when we know for sure that Star Line's coming, which hopefully will be in the next year or two, um, that's when land prices are going to start to go up again. Because you'll be able to get on a train at Prairie Stone, take a metro train to O'Hare all the way into the city, or you'll be able to live in the city, take a metro train out to a couple miles south of us, and then the EJ&E up to Prairie Stone, Naperville, Aurora, Joliet, you'll take a metro train right to Prairie Stone. So the big issue on the star line is the state match. The federal money it has been there and will be there. It's up to our state to get their act together, you know, not spend billions of dollars to add no capacity to our tollway, but to add a new railroad line down the middle of I-90. That's the kind of thing we need to get economic development. You know, beyond that, the hole's a little bit greater than the sum of the parts in that now we've got a Cabela's, which if you haven't been out there, is a very fun place to go, whether you fish or boat or camp. It's a really interesting store. they got a restaurant up there, Sears Center. We're hoping to get the water park, more restaurants. And then that, in turn, attracts more office people. That's going to bring in, we think, additional restaurants. So we think the, the future is positive. You know, the green development lead, it's really not going to be the outlier. It's going to become the norm. And Prairie Stone has a great platform for companies that appreciate that. Um, I think that's about, that's about it. Any questions? We're uh, here, ready to catch your tomatoes. <laughs> Degnan, don't throw them hard at me. Pitch, I think you called it in 2001. Mm -hmm. So what was your pitch for? And it was this team here, but you were going to Sears ownership. Yes. Which is Sears synonymous with Prairie Stone? Or does, are you part owners of Prairie Stone as well? No. Sears, when you were not, Prairie Stone, as the, as the land sells off, individual owners then own that land. But okay. Sears is, is the controlling force behind it. Sears retained, retains Bill to run the park, to operate the park. Uh, from an operational basis daily and, and, and to be a steward for that. They retained us to really to sell the land and to go out and, and convince people to come in and see the concept to change the view. So that's, and they, I think they retained us. Uh, so was it, your pitch sort of to come in as a team and say, we'll get the deal done, we'll find the contractor who might have varied or maybe it didn't to build the building, and then Bill would project manage and or do other things related to after the sale? Or what, I was just trying to understand the whole team. All right, well, uh, again, Bill Bill's is charged with 
operating the park for Sears. I mean, there's, there's 800 acres there, so it has to be maintained, and that's a, you know, a huge job given all the infrastructure. Uh, our end with, at the time was uh, almost 450 acres of, of virgin land uh, was to find some way to convince corporate America or anybody else that this was a real alternative and that given the attributes of the park, which are you know, extensive, that we could use it to go out and, and, uh, and solidify, you know, go out there and uh, be bird dogs to find, and we work with the brokers. We would make, we made numerous presentations to corporate America and later on to retailers people, the, the Cabela's, the, 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 the uh, Toyota Park people, everybody you could find, so there's a new concept there, new vision. Because the attributes of the park are so extensive in its infrastructure and its accessibility and visibility, we knew we had those attributes. It was just trying to communicate that. I think they retained us is that our approach, uh, in my opinion, was a little out of the box, and we were to focus and put people on this exclusively to work on this, and, and, and we would be the evangelists, if you will, or missionaries, that we're going to make the commitment to it. And, you know, and with the help of the collective team, I can't emphasize how important that is to have everybody pulling all of yours the same way as we all know, that so far you know, we've, we've, we've got some traction, as Charlie says. Now, subsequently, Jill's we, we have purchased as, uh, you know, again, it's, uh, uh, it's a mixed marriage with Bill and myself. Cub fan, Sox fan, Greek Irish guy. A mixed marriage, and we and when and we can't be all that perfect. Yeah, we bought eight acres of land, and our and we are we built a small office building out there, uh, uh, two office buildings actually, and are marketing those on our own uh, nickel. Uh, what happens when some of these these EDAs, these TIFs, expire here in the next few years? What's this moving forward? What's the incentives then moving forward for corporate America to continue to build and move uh, to the park? The, the, really, Dan, the, um, it doesn't really affect the people out at Prairie Stone no. because what happens just is the taxes, instead of going to pay back the bonds, just go to where taxes normally go. Cook County. I don't know. Do we lose the enterprise zone designation? I'm yeah, sure we lose the sales tax oh, yeah. that you save on construction. You lose some other operational programs if you employ X number of people and bring them to Hoffman. You get a break on certain taxes with the state. All that goes away. But for most people, I don't think it's going to be a big change because they're, they're paying taxes now, it's just those taxes go to something, they go to one pile now and they're going to go to the schools in 2013. And that's when Sears has to see what the balance is on the bonds, Dan, and write a big, potentially a big check to pay off all the debt on all the bonds that the development pace hasn't kept up with to keep paying that debt down. So whatever that debt's left on the junior lien bond, Sears has to write a big check at the end of this thing to make everybody whole. And then they own the land. And then they could take a different attitude about the land holdings. They can hold it like Hamilton does for the long term instead of making us try and get development deals because of the TIF. So it's. Why did the city and Sears accept those 800 acres? Gary? Actually, um, I can say it again. How did Sears and the state or the city uh, assemble the 800 acres? Caldwell Banker, from my understanding, was the original uh, entity that, that assembled the land, took it to Sears, and then, you know, we reacted to it. You know, we weren't aggressively out there uh, until this whole uh, opportunity came up. We weren't, you know, trying to assemble the land or anything like that. They, 
but I don't, my understanding is I don't think it was eminent domain. I think no. they bought it at something like a there buck a foot. Two or three farmers farming it and Poplar yeah. Creek. And then there's like three or four owners that were assembled. They were paid off. And, but there was a piece, if you look at it, it, there's a piece out of the square. And that piece was owned by a guy named Ayatollah who wanted more money than they're willing to pay. So he held on and probably a smart move on his part because he sold for retail development to Archon in like, I think, 04, 05 for almost 10 bucks a foot on 40 acres. So he went from a buck a foot to 10 bucks a foot over what about a 15, you know, 15 year time period. And they just said to him, I guess, too expensive. So that's why it has that weird shape where the, um, you want to show them where the, uh, that, that the sort of dirt patch there is what was, had been scraped for a shopping right center. So that would have been part of it, but they wanted too much. And he probably made a pretty smart move. Anybody else have any other questions? With the uh, healthcare industry growing, and I noticed that there's a medical office building out there, is given any thought to having other like uh, industries such as pharmaceutical, uh, okay. optical, dentists that would support that area, area as well? We're, we're trying hard. Um, there, Bill mentioned JCL is under construction. That's a bioassay company. So they work with the Japanese pharma firms. The first tenant in our office building is Daiichi Senkyo, which is a Japanese pharma firm. Um, we really could use some dentists. What's happened out there is uh, there's a large uh, facility called St. Alexius down at Barrington Road. And um, they hold on to those doctors and dentists like, uh, you know, they don't want them to leave. We're trying because you know, you got 10,000 daytime employees and no dentists or general doctors. So McShane is, is quite frankly, I think, st struggling a bit with their building. They've got a beautiful building. Um, they haven't filled it up. We're, we are trying. We're, there is a nursing education school that we're talking to. So you're right. That's where a lot of the growth is going to be. Um, but because we don't have a hospital right there and because there is a hospital two miles away that wants to keep its own critical mass, so far we've had, you know, limited uh, traction. Well, it's just money, you know. They built these buildings, and they want to keep them full. Um, these, and we're and and you know, in terms of ambiance, amenities, there's no comparison. But some docs just need to be by the hospital. You know, we're trying to pluck off those doctors and practitioners that don't absolutely have to be right there. Um, and I think critical mass is is kind of a good way to look at it. Is I think if we can get a few of them, we'll probably get a lot more. We're, we're you know we are talking to some folks. McShane built a four-story building with two anchors. They had a surgical practice and a sleep clinic. Um, you know, and they're trying. We, our single-story building that the McKinney and Knopko built is an office condo building. We are talking to some medical folks to do office condos. We think it's a great investment. Um, but so far, you know, we need, we, it's, it's, it's really pioneers. We need some pioneers with some vision out there. Um, and hopefully they're coming. Do you, um, do you anticipate that economic stimulus-driven projects like from Obama's infrastructure plan could drive new projects at Prairie Stone? Well, I, you know, my, my, I'm hoping, Margie, that we get the star line, I, which is not this round of stimulus. Um, it, it, it's such a logical thing for the whole region. Um, I think if we can, you know, if, if and, but again, it, it comes back to the state. You know, the federal government can do a lot, but they can't 
carry the state's water for them, basically, is, is how I understand it. So, um, you know, because the, the, the stimulus package has not given any direct stimulus, I don't think, to, you know, building an office building or buying an office condo. There's incentives if you do solar panels or if you do certain green things. Um, you know, wh what they have done is they've helped with SBA financing, and that will help sell office condos potentially. But, um, you know, it's still tough to get people to make big commitments like that. So, and Marjorie, I, I'm sure I think also, first of all, uh, from your lips to God's ears, oh, yeah. that's one. But uh, secondly, I think that Prairie Stone, our infrastructure is in place. I mean, all the four-lane roads are in. All the electrical grid is in. Uh, the, the, uh, all the utilities are in. I mean, the communications loop is tremendous. So we have put all the infrastructure in, so we don't need that incentive money to take care of needs. Well, we've got that there. We're waiting. I mean, uh, the, the, the meter is on and waiting to be tested. So I think what we just need is, some, uh, is, a, is America, corporate America or, or uh, entrepreneurial America to get recharged up, see opportunity, and let, us, uh, uh, let them live their vision and dream. Uh, uh, Bill, you had an interesting point about the corporate bond market and the looming debt that Sears is going to be facing. And I'm curious to know if you think that a company like Sears might end up doing what Motorola, as an example, is doing, which is look at the sale leaseback market as a way to generate some, some capital. Sears, number one, would not want me to comment on what they were going to be doing for the real estate. I have no idea if they would do anything like that to Motorola. And if I did, I probably wouldn't say so. Here. Well, do you mean about Sears assuming uh, sales leaseback at headquarters, you mean? Yeah. Well, we, we don't know. I, look, if you, know, if you ever get a chance to open the covers and see how big they really are, uh, although that's a sizable transaction, this is spit in the ocean. It is a trend. Claire is, it was in Cranes a week ago, so I was doing, trying to do that very thing, that thing. Sell leaseback on the, on the open market. And obviously AT&T did that a few years ago, and Inland bought it. Hello. Okay. Well, we had a couple questions about the stimulus package, so that uh, dovetails us into our next uh, presentation next month, so come on back. Again, we have the uh, surveys for you to fill out. We appreciate your feedback. Please take the time, and again, how about a nice round of applause for our speakers and panelists. Thank you very much, guys.